You ever seen that old TV cooking show by Justin Wilson? How y'all are? I'm glad you get to see me, I guarantee it. (laughs) So let me ask you, have you ever received a teddy bear as a gift? Maybe from your mom and dad or as a child or a Valentine's Day gift from somebody you admire and hold affection for? We're all kind of familiar with the accounts of how a child has gotten attached to their teddy bear. They won't go to bed without it. Some of the kids won't go to the store without it. And some kids, we think they might not survive through their teenage years if they don't have their teddy bear. I mean, teddy bears, they're just this small stuffed animal. Yet there can be so much sentiment attached to them. And they seem to be the favorite toy of most kids at some point in their life. So I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Where in the world did this idea of giving a child a bear come from? I mean, why do we give a bear as a symbol of affection sometimes? I mean, real bears are large and they're often violent. And if you come between a mama bear and her cubs... You may be what she feeds them for lunch that day. There was a boy scout that was out once and he got lost in the woods. And a mama bear found him. So she snatches him up and she takes him back and she's going to give him to the kids for lunch. And not knowing what to do, he he prays. He says, Lord, please let this be a Christian bear. The mama bear says to her cubs, now before we eat, let's pray. Consider what really happened to a group of of youth that made fun of the prophet Elijah. They called him Baldy Baldy, making fun of him because he was bald. Because they made fun of the prophet of God, two mama bears came out of the woods and killed 42 of those kids. So how in the world do we get to using a bear, a teddy bear, as a symbol of affection? The 26th president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt, took a large game hunting trip. And when he refused to kill a bear that others had captured, they started calling him a softie. Theodore was anything but a soft man. He was tough both physically and mentally. And when he said there was no sport in killing a captured bear, and he would not do it, the idea of a soft teddy bear came into existence by his political opponents. This teddy bear was meant to be a political statement that the man Theodore Roosevelt was really not strong enough to be the president of the United States. Teddy was as tough as nails. Those who knew him said that he was as tough as nails. Not a soft man by any means, but some of his opponents had created this little soft, cuddly animal and named it Teddy in his remembrance. Teddy said, well, you know what? That's what they did for me. He took it. With the help of others, he marked. 
And the rest is history. We all have got teddy bears now. Theodore Roosevelt was a very popular man, and he took many hunting trips around the world, and he killed big game. He took one trip to Africa hunting big game, and when he returned home to the New York Harbor, he was greeted by a band and thousands of people cheering his return. His return home was cause for celebration. It seemed like everyone who was anyone had come out to welcome him home. On that same ship in the second-class cabins was Henry Morrison and his wife. They also were returning home from Africa. They were returning home from 40-plus years of service as missionaries in Africa. Retirement. Having been gone from home for many months and being weary from the travel and the stress of beginning a new phase in life as they retired from the missionary service, it just kind of struck Henry the wrong way. Here was this man, Theodore Roosevelt, who had been on more or less a vacation hunting big game. And when Theodore came home, the crowds had gathered to greet him. And as he disembarked from the ship, a band was playing. The red carpet was rolled out. A celebration in progress, saluting his success. Welcome home, Mr. Roosevelt. Great to see you again. But there was nobody there to welcome the Morrison family. They got off the ship and they even had to carry their own bags. No welcome home greeting for them after 40 plus years of service as missionaries. They walked from the ship dock to a small hotel that had a room reserved for them by the Missionary Society. And they began to make plans for the next leg of their journey from New York to a small Midwest town that they called home. Henry commented to his wife, that was a nice greeting that Mr. Roosevelt got today when he got home. And feeling a bit neglected and unappreciated for the years of service he had been given as a missionary, he noted, wasn't anybody there to greet us, was there? There was no band that played, no red carpet, not even a, let me carry your bags for you, sir. Henry began to question, will the folks at home, when we get there, even know who we are? Will they remember us? Will anybody come to the train station and greet us? It was in that moment that Henry, Henry's wife noticed that he was kind of struggling. She held his hand, and she hugged him, and she spoke softly to him, and she said, Henry, we have worked for the Lord for these past 40 years. We haven't worked for our neighbors we haven't worked for our family, and we haven't worked for our friends. We have worked for the Lord. Remember, Henry, heaven is our home. There, when we get to heaven, there is where we can expect a welcome home. When we arrive there in heaven, then we will hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We really aren't home yet, Henry. It may not be much longer, but we're really not home yet. And we shouldn't expect a welcome home until we get home. 
If I could have a thought this evening, I would like to speak to each of you who are here who are working in the service of the Lord. I have a word for those of you who are older, and maybe you've spent your life working for the Lord, but now you kind of just feel left out. The world just seems to be passing you by with all of these newfangled things that you maybe just don't understand. I mean, everything is, if you're not on the internet now, well, you're just not really even alive almost, it seems like. The world just seems to be passing you by. I have a word from the throne of heaven for you. Those who have worked, those who are working in the kingdom of heaven, it might be teaching Sunday school, tending babies in the nursery, keeping the books of the church, cutting the grass, greeting folks at the door as they come to church, vacuuming the floors, cleaning the restrooms, fixing everything that just somehow seems to be broken. Walk in the halls, checking all, that all is secure, playing the music, giving support for missionaries, witnessing to your family and neighbors and friends, whatever it is you are doing in the service of the Lord, may I encourage you, don't forget about heaven. There's coming a day that we're going to be going home. Heaven is in our future. We're living lives that are filled with things that we're busy doing. At work, we're doing more than at any time in the past. And it seems the more we do, well, there's just there's the more that there is to do. The older folks from a past generation used to talk, what will our kids do with all the free time they'll have on their hands? No cutting of the firewood. Just turn up the furnace. No washing clothes in the tub and on an old washboard. Just open the lid and throw the clothes in. No hours and hours behind a mule guiding a plow. Just sit on the tractor. And they spoke of the many other time-saving gadgets that had come along. And they said, what will people do with all of the time they're going to have on their hands shortly? What the older folks feared never came to pass. I believe that our enemy has a plan to take away any joy that comes in our service to the Lord by just keeping us so busy we don't have time to hardly breathe. Busy at home, busy at work, busy at church, and it seems like the more we get done, the more we have not gotten done. I've seen some who walk around like robots, simply putting one foot in front of the other. Go, 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 from sunup till sundown, and then they work until midnight to prepare for the next day. We're concerned about the kids and getting them the best education that we can. We focus on keeping our employers satisfied. And we need the latest tech gadgets to keep our life up to date. And keeping the house from falling apart around us takes a lot of time and effort and money. And we also must work on our marriages and make time for our spouse, our children and our grandchildren and elderly parents that some of us are taking care of. Nobody's getting ahead anymore and seems like the, we're doing our best just keeping up. We often feel overwhelmed. Oh, and don't forget to comply with all of the health recommendations that the government now is suggesting that we do. Seems we need to have more than 24 hours just to get through a day. And sometimes the service we squeeze in for the church just, well, it seems unappreciated. We make mistakes and we get criticized and then we forget something and we beat ourselves up and we feel guilty. 
Welcome to the world of the 21st century Christian. You're not alone. And sometimes we ask ourselves the question of a Christian life, why am I doing this? When will it end? Where are the rewards I heard about? And we live our lives focusing on the here and now, living for this life and all that it has to offer, just attempting to survive in this world. And we're not considering that things will not always be as they are now. If this sermon is for anybody, it's for me. Remember, if you feel I'm pointing a finger at you, I've got three more of them pointing back at me. My friend, do not grow discouraged in the service of the Lord. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Psalm 126 verse 6, He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We're not home yet. We have not gotten to heaven yet. We have not received the reward that we've been promised, but there is one thing we must remember as a Christian. We will have a reward for the work we do for the Lord. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. In heaven will be our reward. Heaven will be our home for eternity. As you go through this life living in this world that is self-focused and self-centered, remember, we are not of this world, but we are citizens of heaven. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When was the last time you gave thought to heaven as your home? Heaven will be the place that we will spend forever. Do not become so involved in this world that you forget heaven. Have you thought about heaven lately? I can remember my mother used to always go around talking about heaven. And I told her once, I said, you know, Mom, you may not have a mansion. The Bible doesn't say there's many mansions. That's not the real meaning. It says there's many dwelling places. Don't tell me I won't have a mansion, was her response. In my father's house are many mansions, and one of them is mine. Streets of gold and gates of pearl. Heaven will be mine, a mansion and all. My mom thought a lot about heaven. This evening, I want to tell you just a little about heaven. Heaven is a real place. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. There are some who will tell you that heaven is not a real place. They say it's just a state of mind. 
I'm going to tell you, they're wrong. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is not just a state of mind. Heaven is a real place. It is a real place where we will abide when we leave this world. We will live in heaven. We will have a dwelling place there in that place that is called heaven. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11 says, I say unto you that there shall come from the east and the west, and there I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is a real place for real people who have been born again. It is a place for those who have made Jesus the Lord of their life. It is a place where we will abide forever in the presence of the God who loves us. And not only will we abide in the presence of the Lord, we will also be with those who have passed that way before us. I have a grandson, Elijah, whom I know I will see again. My mom and dad, aunts and uncles, grandparents, cousins and friends. Last week we got a phone call that one of our good friends, Jesse Souls, had passed away. Hadn't seen him for a while, but he was like one of our own children to us. I so look forward to being with those that I have loved in this life who are now in the presence of the Lord. When you get to heaven, you will also be in the presence of those you have loved who have passed through the doorway of death into heaven. Just think of all those you have known who have been meek and mild, kind-hearted, filled with the Spirit of the Lord. We've all known someone whom we admire for their Christ-likeness. Heaven is a place that is filled with those kind of people. The most gentle, the most lovely, the most kind-hearted people. Heaven is the place where we will be united with our saved loved ones again. And there is also where we will meet the many who have made Jesus their Lord that we have not known in this life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17 says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord." Are you looking forward to that day? Have you, do you have loved ones who are waiting for you there? Heaven is the place we will once again be with those that we have loved. As you go about your busy life every day, my friend, don't forget about heaven. If you're saved, heaven is the place for you to go. Heaven is a real place and heaven is for real people. We all know of someone whom we look forward to seeing when we get there and make our arrival. But there will be also many others that we have not known in this life. What are they going to be like? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, there's millions, possibly billions of people going to be in heaven. We haven't met them all. 
There's many saints that have a record in the Bible of what uh, them, that they will be there. And in the scripture we have details about some of them and the kind of person they are. I think of Moses. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3 says, Now the man Moses was very meek and above all men which were upon the earth. Moses was a man who was meek. That was his personality. And I think of what the Bible says about Martha. Listen to how Dr. Luke describes Martha. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Jesus said and answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. We know what Martha's like. She was a detail-minded person. But her sister Mary was not that way. Imagine sitting down with Mary and Martha and hearing them tell about the day Jesus came to dinner. We know a little about them. What, what about all of the other people that are in heaven that we don't know anything about? Those we know nothing of, let me ask. Have you ever been invited to go someplace and you decline because I just don't know any of those people over there. I'm not going to go. Sometimes we avoid meeting people we don't know. Maybe we'll like them and maybe they won't like us. We try and avoid the unexpected. Let me tell you about the kind of people who are in heaven. Psalm chapter 24. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he up, take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change, he who does not put his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. Here's a description of the kind of people who we will meet in heaven. Can you imagine if every person you meet was really truthful at heart? And every single person you met were there to honor those who love and fear God? Think about being with people who do not lie. And they don't take advantage of others. And their morals are not for sale by bribes. That is what the people who, in heaven, who are in heaven are like. Every single one of them. In Matthew chapter 5, we have another list of the characteristics of those people who we will meet in heaven. We call this passage the Beatitudes. People in heaven will be meek at heart. They will all passionately desire to be righteous and good. They'll be merciful. They'll be peacemakers. And they all will be pure in heart. As I consider what these people in heaven will be like, even though I don't know them, I just want to be around them. That's actually what I desire to be like. And as they are now in heaven, when we get there, that's how we will also be. We strive to be like that here on earth, but in heaven we'll be perfect. There will not be a person in heaven who will not be enjoyable to be with. 
As I live life in the world that we live in today, I see and hear the attitudes of those who are around me. There is one passage in Scripture that I can truly identify with. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. That man Lot, whom the Bible called righteous, was vexed every day with those around him. Their evil deeds bothered him. He became tired of living among them. I can identify with that, living in the world we live in today. Sometimes as I listen to the news and I hear the reports of the killings and the stealings and the corruption and the shenanigans that so many of our leaders are caught up in and just the wickedness of the everyday man on the streets, there's one thing I can tell you for sure. I would rather be in the presence of the saints in heaven than with the heathen that dwell in the world. As you walk this path of life, my friend, don't forget Heaven. Heaven is a real place where real people dwell. Good people, honest people, meek and mild, generous, kind, loving, faithful, loyal, gentle, full of peace and joy. Heaven will be heaven partly because of those who are there. Heaven is going to be great, isn't it? But you know, there will be some people who will not be in heaven. Do you suppose those that hate the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, will be in heaven? They have no desire to go to heaven. They have no desire to be in the presence of those who love God and worship His Christ Jesus. In heaven, we who love God will be in the presence of one another and in the presence of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. And those who have been the enemies of the cross of Christ they'll be absent. Those who are spiritual enemies will be far from us. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and he told them, there will be some who will not make heaven as their home. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, or do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor those habitually drunk, nor verbal abusers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. In heaven, we will be free from those who desire our harm, free from those who seek to take advantage of us, and will be far from those who practice evil. Heaven will be heaven because of those who are there, and it will also be heaven because of those who will not be there. Living in this present world, can't we all really identify with what Peter said when he spoke of Lot? Lot's soul was vexed every day by the wickedness that was around him. Are you sick of the wickedness of the people whom you live among? Are you tired of the attempts to force you to approve of and even participate in their sinful deeds? Are you sick and tired of seeing evil on every hand and the deception of the leadership that rules over us at this time? Don't forget heaven. Those people will not be there. Heaven is for the pure in heart. 
the gentle in spirit, those who love God and care for their fellow man. Don't forget about heaven. Are you busy and the lack of time seems to just overwhelm you? My friend, take the time to think about heaven. Think of those who will be there. Think of those who will not be there. And think of Jesus, the one who made it all possible. Think of your Savior who died that you might be able to abide in the presence of the Almighty God. As you've grown older and seen so many of your loved ones pass from this life to the next, let your mind dwell on heaven. As your physical body begins to fail and you may every day be filled with pain, consider heaven. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Heaven is going to be pain-free. I remember one of my nephews asked me once, he says, Uncle Al, what was the most painful thing you ever had happen to you? And I thought about it, and I thought, I've had a nail stuck in my head and peeled part of my scalp up. And a motorcycle that I wrecked that broke some of my ribs, cracked my sternum, broke my wrist. The many times I've had stitches in my hands from working with sharp metal. The burns that have left scars. The pain of a severe ear infection. On and on we all go about the pain we've had. And truth be told, that's true for all of us. We've all experienced a lot of pain in life. We live in a world filled with pain. I answered my nephew... The most painful thing I've ever experienced is the pain of a broken heart. In heaven, we will not only be free of physical pain, we will be free of broken hearts. No more dying. No more disappointments. No more sad farewells. Never again to be betrayed. Never again to have our own personal failures and disappoint those we love. My heaven, my friend in heaven, we will be free from all pain. Are you on your way to heaven? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 24. The way of life is above to the wise that they may depart from hell beneath. There is a heaven, but there also is a hell. I can remember many of the old preachers who delivered their sermons with what seemed like shouting to many. My dad was one of them, and I don't know, maybe you think I'm one of them too. I've heard it preached many times. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Your eternal abode will be in one of the two places, heaven or hell. If you want to see heaven, you must humble yourself and accept Christ as the only way to get there. If you do not, you will not abide in heaven. For those of you who have been born again, yet find yourself living in this world of sin, sickness, sorrow, and death, take the time to think about heaven. Focus on the rewards that God has for you and your being faithful. The day will surely come when you will stand before the maker of the universe and give an account for the things that you have done. And on that day, by the grace given to you by God, you will be greeted at the gates of heaven. Welcome home. Welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. 
Have you ever been faithful over a few things? I will now make you ruler over many, and into heaven you will go. Are you ready? Have you made your plans? Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20, Lay up for yourselves therefore treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and there thieves do not break through and steal. May I encourage each of you this evening to think about heaven. Think of heaven. Prepare for heaven. In this world, there's so many things that distract us from the future that we have been promised. Things of work. Things of home. Things of having things. And we can lose sight of the goal that we're really striving for. The older I get, the more thoughts of heaven that fill my mind. I enjoy this life. God has truly blessed me. I have a wonderful, supportive, faithful, good-looking wife. I have five healthy children, 13 grandchildren, and friends that are too many to count. I've seen Niagara Falls. I've seen the Grand Canyon. I've seen the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean and many other wonderful sights. But I can't wait to get to heaven. As wonderful as this place is, heaven is far better let me encourage each of you, those who are so busy that you have no time to even think, take the time to think of heaven. Those who are older and struggling with the changes that we're being forced to comply with, everything is now done online. I'm not sure that we don't need a dot-com address to even read our Bible. And for those who are younger, well, there is a web address for that, Bible.com. Don't grow weary in well-doing, my friend. Heaven is your home. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place for real people. Heaven is a real place for real people who will abide in the presence of those that we love forever. Heaven is a real place for real people who will abide in the presence of those we love and in the presence of the God who gave himself to secure our salvation. We aren't home yet, but the lights of home on that distant shore are becoming brighter, and Jesus is there waiting for us. I think of Stephen who said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Do you see Jesus in heaven? Are you looking for him? He is in heaven. Don't forget heaven, my friend. Don't. Forget heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation and the promise and the hope and the assurance of heaven where we will abide forever. Free from sin, free from sickness, free from disappointment. To be reunited with those we love and to be in the presence of the God that loves us. I pray, Father, that this evening our hearts may be encouraged. And Lord, that we would let the things of this world go and we would focus on following you and being obedient to you and living as much as we can a sin-free life that we could be a people that is pleased to you. We thank you for your forgiveness. Help us to be what you want us to be. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.